This is the Rocky Mountain Review Podcast. I am your co-host, Gabe Peterson. And I'm your other co-host, Julia Batalise. This is the Rocky Mountain Review, the live news show that airs 4 to 5, Tuesday and Thursday, on KCSU that is turned into a podcast. And this is what you missed this week. Our first local story today was on the shooting that took one of CSU's students uh, last Thursday. After that, we have a story on the man that was severely injured after being shot in the head with a flare gun. Then we have a story on the underwear bomber suing the state of Colorado over his treatment in prison, which will be our roundtable discussion later in the show. After that, we have a story on a man that was found dead in a Fort Collins house fire. And finally, police are looking for the person responsible for the string of break-ins in cars in Wellington. On a national and global news, we have an update on the national anthem protests and the NFL Players Association response, as well as Roger Goodell's response. In other news, the Air Force's B-52 bombers are nuclear-capable for the first time in over two decades. The final national story is on Trump's response to the fallen soldiers and the response from one family today. I'm Julia Batalise. And I'm Gabe Peterson. And you're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review. <laughs> what a way to start it. What a way. <laughs> You're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review. I am Julia Batalise. I am one of two of your hosts today. Um, my co-host is Gabe Peterson. Hello. How are you doing? I am doing great, actually. It's my birthday. Yes, it is. Happy birthday to Julia. <laughs> Thanks. Happy Thanks. Birthday. We're not going to sing that on air. We're not doing that. <laughs> um, and we also have air, our, air, our, national <laughs> our national news correspondent, Chady Layton. How That's me. I live here. I'm Dandy. <laughs> and we have Seth Bodine um, coming in today just for fun. He's here. Just for fun. Just for fun. That's the only reason. What do you, you're a collegian reporter, Seth? Is that all you are? Collegian reporter and night editor. Nice. And you're also a reporter for us, so. Right. You do all of the I things. I do all the things. <laughs> Jack of all trades. <laughs> I don't know. You had this like dead look in your eye, which was kind of funny. You're like, I do all of the things. <laughs> Anyway, we're actually, um, first story for today, which we're going to just go straight into to give some context for um, our little interview for why Seth is on today, um, is the recent Fort Collins shooting from last week. So early Thursday morning, students at CSU woke up to roughly five or six text messages from public safety, alerting them of a shooting west of campus at 720 City Park Avenue. Initially, the police went to the district's apartment complex nearby by mistake, but ended up hopping the fence once they realized they were in the wrong place. Around 2 a.m., the shots began firing, and some students nearby at the district's apartment complex said the shots sounded like fireworks. Rachel Teljohn from the Collegian reports that 30-year-old Michael Zamora was the shooter and ended up killing two and injuring one before killing himself. Teljohn also reports that of those killed, one was a 26-year-old air veteran named Tristan Kemp, as well as CSU student and Rocky Mountain Student Media's own Savannah McNeely, a 22-year-old art major here at CSU. McNeely's friend Megan Dyker, a student at CU Boulder, was in Fort Collins to celebrate McNeely's birthday and was injured during the shooting. Cassanid Ringhouse from the Coloradoan reports that McNeely and Zamora were in a romantic relationship, though a motive for the attack has not been reported. 
The ring host also reported that McNeely helped paint the orange ram walk, which is right outside the stadium, and her handprint is reportedly left there from the day she helped paint it. The local community had a vigil in her honor the day after the attack right by CSU's new uh, football stadium, where CSU President Tony Frank spoke. Public safety reports that Fort Collins police are still conducting an investigation. Um, So, Seth, you actually did the report on the vigil. Is that right? Right. I was there. Um, Who did you talk to over there exactly? Um, Well, I I talked to a friend of Savannah, um, and I talked to several people who worked with Savannah, um, Mm -hmm. all of which who said um, she was a very nice and create a very talented creative person obviously um well she worked for creative services right creative services for csu and for uh for student media right? yeah yeah as well as art major and uh that whole csu uh paint walk thing is kind of heartbreaking to think about too yeah exactly they were saying i think in the colorado in that like her spirit will live <coughs> on because it physically i mean she painted that sidewalk so um right. do you know how many people were in attendance for that so. Um, there's quite a few. I, I want to say about a um, hundred or so. Hundred yeah. or so. Did yeah, uh, <clears throat> did anybody from Rocky Mountain Student Media get up to talk at all about her? Like, did Jim uh, Rodenbush go, or did like Peter Walko and everything? A lot of us from Student Media were there. Um, only two people actually spoke. Uh, it was um, it was the Tony Frank spoke, mm-hmm. and then someone who was coordinating the vigil spoke, and most of it was. Um, in silence holding candles so um it was a moment to reflect were there any uh family members from either of the uh from the parties like there at all from what i heard there is about 15 family members um none of them wanted to be reached out for comment which is totally understandable for sure um and i thought i had a question (laughs) well i it's just such a sad story to oh. really talk about because um, yeah. we all woke up to those you know, emails and those texts and um, you, know, you don't think anything of it. And then you realize that as we work at KCSU and Collegian, um, somebody who worked in Rocky Mountain Student Media got affected by that, and that is heartbreaking. But can you <clears throat> talk about like, what creative, creative Services uh, does and like, what she did at all? Or From what I understand, uh, she was in charge of designing ads and I know a little bit about her role at CSU um, she had an integral role of the ram walk which is that orange stripe and from what I heard from Tom Milligan uh, Savannah was the type of person who would take ordinary ideas and then make them extraordinary so he described it as um, she was in Tom Milligan's class um, I think it was public rela- CSU public relations or something like that, mm-hmm. um, and she was something. She said something along the lines of, "Well, why why don't we? The Ram Walk is a tradition. Why don't we paint the pavement orange?" So that was <laughs> her is, idea. One of that was, was one, one of, of her <clears throat> ideas, and she helped orchestrate it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, I, it's, I mean, it's a it's, hard one. It's it's, it's it's really hard to talk about. Um, so. There's no um, no new information at all that you guys have found out, just the story that you guys have been publishing the past few days? Right, just in the past few days, just uh, looking at um, how the investigation is going so far, so every couple of days it 
we gain new information. So this is something you're going to continue to report on for a little bit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I know we are writing an obituary um, to be out sometime this week, I, I believe. Do any of the uh, individuals involved have set um, Memorial Days yet? Or is that something that you're still... Uh, I, I haven't heard anything from about that, no. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah uh, it's it's honestly just like I feel like it's just a hard thing to talk about in general. Um, I definitely I feel like I've just heard like sirens recently and it's just been really yeah, um, freaking me out in general. And then it's like, what could it be? You know, they, they said that this was the deadliest attack in the last decade. in yeah. Larimer County, in Larimer County, in Larimer County. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, still, um, yeah, this is a hard thing to talk about. So we might uh, take the, a little break. Probably take a little break. Um, we'll be coming back here in just a moment. Um, we'll be coming back with more local and national and global news. Um, if you want to get involved at all, make sure to call or text into 970-491-5278. You are listening to the Rocky Mountain just, Review. Oh. No, just real quick. Uh, if anybody <laughs> is listening that knew Savannah or anybody involved and you want to call or text in, we'd love to hear uh, more about them um, on a personal note. So if you that, guys want to get involved. Yeah, that number one more time is going to be 970-491-KCSU. Anyway, you're listening to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. And welcome back to the Rocky Mountain Review. I am Julia Battalise, one of your two co-hosts today, um, as well as Gabe Peterson, my co-host, obviously. How's it going? <laughs> Not bad. I already asked you that. Happy yeah. birthday. <laughs> Thanks. Um, and we have our national news correspondent, J.D. Layton. Um, who's not going to say anything, which is fine. No. Uh, well, nothing. You, you were just, just looking at me like <laughs> you, you weren't done talking. Right, I No. I, anyway, then we also have Seth Bodine, one of our reporters and the editor and another reporter for the Collegian. you got a lot of titles over there. I, I have a lot of titles. Hi. Um, he'll be helping us today with the local and national and global news. Um, actually, actually. Seth is going to start it off. Really. <laughs> yeah. No pressure or anything. I'm gonna <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna send it over to Seth to talk about the flare gun incident. Oh well, uh, a man in Loveland found a new use for a flare gun this past weekend. Uh, 29-year-old Ryan Johnson shot a man in the head with a flare gun at a truck stop. Officers were called to McKee Medical Center for just after 5 a.m. on October 9th <clears> on <throat> a report of a man who had a gunshot wound to his head. The AP reports that the victim suffered serious injuries, including burns on his head and body. Saja Hindi from the Coloradoan uh, reports that after a police investigation, they obtained a surveillance video of the incident. It showed the man sitting in his truck with a female passenger when a vehicle stopped in front of it containing Johnson. He then got out of the car and went to the driver's side window of the truck and fired a flare into it while the two passengers were in it. Johnson is then seen getting back into his vehicle and driving away. Hindi also reports that the act was deemed not random. It did, however, take a few days for police to find Johnson, but after a prolonged search, he was arrested. Police did say that he was in possession of what law enforcement suspected was meth, uh, methamphetamine when he was apprehended. CBS Channel 4 in Denver reports that Johnson was charged with first-degree attempted murder, first-degree assault, possession of a controlled substance, and reckless endangerment, and booked into Larimer County Jail. And that is a report by Bourne Larson. Yeah. That was Bjorn. a wild ride, start to finish. Yes, that was. That was, was very... A, there was a lot of information in that story, I feel like. That was... 
he's like he shot a dude in the face with a flare gun. He had meth. <coughs> oh man! And then he fled the scene. Yeah. What a what a wild busy yeah. day for him. Busy day. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> to say the least. Uh, anyway, we're gonna flip it back over to Gabe about um, some carjacking incidents that's been happening recently. Yep. For the se- or, no, it's actually the uh, fire story. Oh, yes. you're switching up on me. All right, sorry, go for it. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> for the second time in the last two weeks, another individual has been found dead in their home after a fire erupted early Saturday morning in Fort Collins. The Larimer County Coroner's Office has identified the individual as 29-year-old Dustin Birch. Fox 31 Denver reports that Pooter Fire Authority received multiple 911 calls around 2 a.m. Saturday morning regarding a fire at the Cammeyer apartment complex just west of campus. Firefighters found the man on the second level of the complex and later pronounced him dead at the scene. Pooter Fire Authority Chief Tom DeMint told Fox 31 Denver, Our community has experienced multiple tragedies in the past few weeks and past couple of days. This is, of course, in response to the other tragic house fire that claimed Rachel Max's life, as well as the shooting that took place early Thursday morning. The fire was extinguished within, within minutes, and the coroner's office officially ruled the death an accident that occurred due to smoke inhalation and thermal burns. Uh, just another thing that's happening around here is a lot of house fires. Why is everything it's very on interesting. fire? Yeah, and uh, that um, Rachel Max story, the athletic director's uh, daughter, um, there's a GoFundMe if... Uh, if anybody's interested in that. But um, we're going to send it over to JD now for the car carjacking. Ah. Yeah. The Colorado reports Larimer County police are looking to identify an individual responsible for 20 vehicle break-ins in Wellington, Colorado in July. The male suspect was caught on camera from a residential home on the block of 3200 Belmont Court stealing money from the homeowner's unlocked car. Police say the suspect entered roughly 20 vehicles on the night of July 15th and 16th and stole money, electronics, and whatever was deemed valuable inside of the vehicles. Larimer County Sheriff's Office is asking for any information on the individual and are looking to the public to help identify the suspect. Larimer County Sheriff's Office posted the video of the suspect on their official Twitter page and have all the details on how to contact them in their post. If you have any information on the break-ins, please contact Larimer County Sheriff's Office. Yeah. Then, dude... Stuff's on fire. Burglaries, People yeah. are stealing from cars. <clears throat> yeah, definitely sad. Anyways, um, over to Seth Bodine. Oh, well, oh, the, oh yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> the, uh, the infamous underwear bomber, currently held in the Supermax prison in Florence, Colorado, is suing the Federal Borough of Prisons and Attorney General Jeff Sessions for violations of his constitutional rights. Umar Farouk Abdul Matulab has been in federal custody since Christmas Day 2009, when he attempted to detonate a bomb sewn into his underpants on a flight of 253 between Amsterdam to Detroit, according to Kieran Nicholson of the Denver Post. Abdul Matula is suing on the ground of the First, Fifth, and Eighth Amendment, as well as the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. The suit, according to Blair Miller of Denver 7, includes a number of allegations against practices used at ADX, the prison in which he is housed. According to the suit, the prison does not provide the adequate supplies, personnel, and food for him to, pre- to practice his religion, Islam. Abdul Matula claims that he, was be- he has been harassed by guards and, super- and shown pornographic images while praying 
and has resorted to hunger strikes due to the lack of halal foods. During these hunger strikes, the suit says, guards have forced him non-halal foods, once even shoving a feeding tube down his windpipe. According to Blair's report, this caused a feeling a quote feeling like he was being drowned in a manner akin to waterboarding. After these incidents, he was placed in in Region 13, the most solidarity section of prison, and which the prison psychologist has testified is quote a form of torture torture on some level. Additionally, he is suing for overuse of special administrative measures which does not allow a prisoner to make contact with family members on the outside. The only family member he is currently allowed to make contact with is his sister. The suit claims that this should be lifted because communication with further family does not present a risk of, quote, death or serious bodily injuries to persons, a requirement of SAP. Abdul Mutula is serving four consecutive life sessions and 50 years of parole according to nicholson adx also houses an unabomber 9-11 collaborators the oklahoma city bomber and convicted russian spies and this was written by our reporter raven color Ooh, yep Ooh. and <laughs> that will also be our discussion for roundtable um our our discussion for our run roundtable discussion i'm doing great with words today um <laughs> You're yeah, trying. You're, you're trying. You're trying. <laughs> yeah, so the roundtable segment will be over <clears throat> the underwear bomber, and then we'll kind of focus in more on um, treatment of prisoners as a whole in the United States, um, kind of going over the prison system. And like we mentioned earlier, if you guys want to get involved, call or text in to <clears throat> 970-491-5278. Again, that number is 970-491-KCSU. And I think we're going to jump right into national stories now. Yep. And I believe that that would be you, me. Yeah. Okay. Hello. Yeah. How are you? <laughs> um, yeah. With the national anthem protest. Yep. Chris Chavez of sports illustrated reports that the NFL commissioner, Roger Goodell and owners had a meeting last week in New York city to discuss whether they would punish players for protesting during the national anthem. Representatives from the a- NFL players association and former players attended the meetings. Goodell and the others ultimately decided no players who kneel or sit during the anthem would ultimately be punished. Chavez reports some protests did occur this past weekend. For instance, about eight Seahawks players, including the entire defensive line, sat during the anthem during the game against the Giants on Sunday. Members of the Colts also linked arms for the third consecutive week against the Jaguars. According to the Associated Press, a total of 22 players protested. Two teams in particular dominated the headlines of the protests, including the Seahawks and the 49ers. Brooke Singman of Fox News reports that President Trump slammed the, quote, lack of leadership on Monday morning in a tweet, saying the following, Two dozen NFL players continue to kneel during the national anthem, showing total disrespect to our flag and country. No leadership in the NFL. Todd Archer of ESPN reports that Jerry Jones, owner of the Cowboys, expressed expressed concerns to the press about the anthem protest over this weekend. He said the following, quote, There is no question the league is suffering negative effects from these protests. Jones had said just about up to two weeks ago that players on the Cowboys who would, quote, disrespect the flag would ultimately get benched. As a result, no players on the Cowboys have participated in the national anthem protests. This past Sunday, the only sign of protesting was from the defensive end, David Irving, of the Cowboys who briefly raised his fists. <clears throat> and that story was written, 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 <laughs> Jason Witten of the Cowboys, there you go, a little plug, <laughs> was written by uh, Joe Green, our reporter. 
Yeah. Um, I find that weird. I don't understand why the Cowboys can't do it if they just made a statement on the NFL. Uh, it was more of yeah. like the Players Association and uh, Roger Goodell just ultimately said, like, uh, you can protest. Like, we're not going to do anything to punish you. But like we talked about the past couple or a couple weeks ago when we had that discussion, uh, you can get in trouble. And Jerry Jones has the right to say that. So it's just kind of like he's the owner of the team. He's saying that they can't protest and mm. they're respecting their leader, I guess, is what that comes down to. Didn't he kneel with them like <clears throat> yeah, a couple they, weeks ago? Yeah, against the uh, Cardinals on <laughs> Sunday night, Monday night, I forget. It might have been Thursday. He, uh, Yeah, they took a knee before the anthem and then they got up and locked arms and stood for the national anthem. Yeah. So I'm confused. Yeah. What a strange. It was. Uh, just a moment of like solidarity for him and the team just saying like i hear you i hear what the complaints are but now i think he's trying to say that you know football is your job don't you know do protest during your job let's just play the game what do you think seth i think that people have the right to protest yeah um in no matter what situation people can protest their job they can protest i think that we just have that right um I just, but, thought, I, just, know, I just, I just, I just saw the look on your face, and we both were making the same look. <laughs> you know, but at the same time, like Jerry Jones has the right to say you can't protest. So I mean, it's right. it goes hand in hand. Right. Um. You know, like as much as you want to do something, like here at the radio, if I don't want to come into work, I can protest that I work too much, even though I don't. <laughs> but that doesn't. <laughs> but I would, but I would get fired because if I didn't show up to work for a protest, I'd get fired. But anyways, we are going to send it over to JD. JD. Yeah. Let's talk about North Korea. Let's do it. Tensions between North Korea and the United States are close to reaching ahead as the U.S. moves a second aircraft carrier towards the Korean Peninsula, reports Lucas Tomlinson of Fox News. Japan's defense minister, Minister Itinori Onodera, has called North Korea's continued ballistic development program a threat that has reached a critical and imminent level and that it joins the U.S. with its all-options-are-on-the-table stance on North Korea. A joint naval exercise between South Korea, Japan, and the U.S. navies has been occurring in the region to solidify the warning that the U.S. has been sending, as well as allow the navies to gain experience working together, reports Harvey Gavin of the Express. While the navy drilled, both U.S. and South Korean troops on the border adopted a combat-ready stance, and American bombers have been flying missions around the North Korean borders in case the rogue nation launches, launches a preemptive strike, reports Gavin. Senator Bob Corker has called out President Donald Trump for his willingness to take aggressive action towards North Korea, saying he is taking the U.S. on a path to combat. Hmm. <clears throat> and it's also to, uh, I think, the Air Force. They said that the B-52 bombers are uh, they, they are nuclear, nuclear capable. capable for the first time since 1991. Mm -hmm. uh, so that dates all the way back to the Cold War. Yep, um, they are 24-hour uh, alert flying around the Korean Peninsula. This is obviously something that they're taking very, very serious. I think it's something you kind of have to take you serious should, because yeah. obviously, like, you know, North Korea is not taking diplomatic um, approaches very well, and, you know, we keep trying to cut them off with, you know, trade and all that, but they just um, don't like us. I think something that's also kind of uh, unsettling about North Korea is that we really don't know what they're, exactly. <laughs> what they're doing. I mean... Uh, their leader might say something, but that doesn't mean it's necessarily true. I know. We, it's a total you guessing could, game. You could definitely say the same thing for us, though. Um, yeah, well, but to a certain... Right. Yeah. 
I feel like I that's a that's, stretch. Yeah, that's I don't know. About what that. that Donald Trump doesn't say something then? I mean, yeah, that but he's pretty ridiculous. But he's also yeah. But at the same time, like when he you know he says something that goes all around the nation. world. North Korea, like you have no idea what's going on. You don't listen. Like he doesn't give states of the union, and we hear about it in America. Like president gives uh, state of the union address, you hear about it all over the world. North Korea is total isolationists and hermits. You know, we have no idea what's going on yeah. there. The only news we get from them is from Pyongyang itself. Yeah, which not is, on the same level, but I'm saying, I'm just saying, the president definitely is. Yeah, um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> we will move on to our. Is this our final story? This on? is our final story. All right, uh, Julia, about, take it away. About the the one the only the trump um, <laughs> the one, the only. <laughs> <laughs> trump has been under fire in the last week for his lack of response to the families of fallen soldiers after four soldiers were reportedly killed in niger last friday maisha johnson the wife to the fallen army sergeant law david johnson was angry about the call president trump placed to her to send his condolences According to BBC News, despite Trump denying the claims, Johnson asserts that Trump could not recall her recently deceased husband's name and even made her cry by saying to her, quote, he knew what he signed up for. Johnson said his tone of voice was upsetting and she did not appreciate the way he spoke about her husband. Yamish Alkandor from the New York Times after Trump's reported after Trump's denial on Twitter, Johnson refused to reply, but did express that she wanted to know why she hasn't received the remains or information on David's death. And uh, Anthony Zerker from BBC also reported that this comes at an even worse time, as Trump has already been under fire for his response to a question about soldiers in Niger by criticizing past presidents' responses to families that have lost loved ones overseas. Three months ago, President Trump had a family of another fallen soldier, uh, Dylan Baldridge, that was an army sergeant that was killed in Afghanistan in June. From the Washington Post, Dan Lamothe reports that President Trump sent $25,000 to the father, Chris Baldridge. Uh, <laughs> yes, to Chris Baldridge. Um, as the soldier's mother, Chris's ex-wife, received $100,000 from the Pentagon, President Trump was said to have sent the money from his personal account, which was interesting. I thought that, I thought the, at least the end part with um, the fact that, I guess, his, um, so Dylan Baldridge was the... Um, <clears throat> sergeant who died um and his mother received a hundred thousand dollars and then it was like his father was like hmm i, w- I could use some money <laughs> see i don't know it just seemed weird to me i i'm yeah. all, all, it just seemed just seemed weird to me <laughs> well that is the end of local national and global news we're going to take a quick break and then when we come back we're going to jump right into roundtable uh we're going to talk about the underwear bomber and his lawsuit and then we're going to kind of transition to the broad spectrum of uh, just treatment in U.S. prisons um, yeah, as general. a whole and as a general. Uh, if you guys want to call or text in at any time, get involved. Just call or text 970-491-5278. Again, that number is 970-491-KCSU. And if you're specifically interested in the music segment for today or just the weather segment, which will be coming up yep, later. It's the most important um, <laughs> part of the show. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be coming up a little later, so you can stay tuned. Um, anyway, you're listening to the Rocky Mountain, Re- Rocky Mountain Review here on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. And welcome back to the Rocky Mountain Review. I am Julia Badalise, one of your one of your co-hosts today. Um, joined with me, my co-host is Gabe Peterson. Hello. Um, and we have our national news correspondent, JD Layton. I'm here to give good input. 
That's debatable. Uh, <laughs> and we also have <clears throat> Haley Condelario um, coming over from the Collegian, uh, the news director over there. She can, you can say hi if you want, or Hello. you can. <laughs> and we still have Seth Bodine chilling in the studio with us. The I'm man still is here. Thirty-seven <laughs> titles. Third, so many reporter for us, reporter for the Collegian, and the editor. Should like business card like a, a flip out one. You like I take it should. out. and just The titles keep going. Okay. I, I should. <laughs> Anyway, we're going to get right into the roundtable discussion. We were talking about earlier how the um, the underwear bomber is in a Colorado jail here in Florence, I believe. Um, and basically, he is filing a lawsuit um, against, I forget what it is, against federal? He Yeah, he named Jeff yeah. Sessions specifically, and then the... Um, uh, the uh, That's God, what I would I'm do. I'm going after you, Jeff Sessions. That's what I would do. Go after Jeff Sessions. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, I guess, he, I guess I guess the initial question is: Does I, do we agree with him? Do we think that he? Not that we agree. Um, is it more? What's the right way to word this? I guess agree. I mean, there's I, nothing to agree about. The guy's a terrorist. I mean, that's the fact of the matter. Like, well, it's it's, it's do you do you think that people who are terrorists and people who intended to murder 300 people? deserve rights in prison so, I am <laughs> deadlock well no I mean I have something to say but I just figured I'd wait for other people to go so I, don't, I think at that level like when you're when you try and commit like that type of like type of a heinous action dude has four life sentences like y prison's not about being comfortable prison is punishment no. for the actions you've done <clears throat> so uh, I, I, I don't think that he like this this lawsuit is totally ridiculous i mean he tried to target civilians with a bomb um he went to yemen he talked to um al kuwait i believe his name was the the one of the al-qaeda leaders at the time i mean he totally planned this and <clears throat> the fact of the matter is um no he doesn't deserve any rights or any kind of lawsuit whatsoever i'm gonna have to disagree with you okay <laughs> um I just think as humans, we do have a certain amount of right. I mean, we have human rights. Um, but and somebody who planned to kill 300 people. I think at that point you forfeit your rights. Absolutely. I disagree. Um, I think that there is still an amount of rights that you deserve to have. And being pushed around in jail, I just, I don't think, I think that's, while I do agree with you, he obviously was attempting to do something that was horrible. And I mean, the fact of the matter is he shouldn't even be here right now. I mean, he should have. I mean, he should have died in that uh, in that attack. Yeah. So if, if, if he had, you know, been successful, he would have he would have been there. Would have been no lawsuit. There would have been three hundred yeah. people without mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, sons, daughters. I mean, <clears throat> to me, you know, like when with the thing like showing, you know, maybe pornographic images while he prays. Like everybody, like if he wants to practice like Islam in jail, that's totally fine. But like he's not getting proper food. Well. Prison's not a five-star restaurant. You're you know? in jail. You're in jail. What's on the menu is on the menu. If you don't want to eat, you don't want to eat. I'm you just saying it's, I don't think it's that hard to to like make sure that he's not getting something that is against his religion. Um, Seth and Haley, what do you guys think? Either of you. I, I feel conflicted about it because at, at one point, I, I want to say that you, you give up your rights when you, uh, when you commit these crimes, but another part of me says, well, what precedent do we set when we, um, for all people in prisons, um, <clears throat> when we deny these rights? 
That's yeah, true. I, 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 like, I, I agree with that. You know, like somebody who commits credit card fraud, somebody who is there for Grand Theft Auto, what have it. It's like some are the lesser crimes, having some weed and you're going to jail because of the war on drugs and everything. That's a different conversation that we're going to probably have later. But those people deserve some of these rights. But the fact of the matter is that this guy <clears throat> was going to act out of, you know, religious intention to murder people. And he does not deserve. And like he says here, like uh, uh, Religious Freedom Act, he's suing that. Uh, he deserves the rights and all that kind of stuff. Like, and his lawyer says prison walls <clears throat> do not form a barrier separating prison inmates from the protections of the United States Constitution. Well, that's exactly what prison does, actually. It does separate you from the normal everyday citizen because you committed a crime, and especially such a high-volume crime that you wanted to commit. <clears throat> I just don't... Yeah, no, I, he doesn't deserve anything. Haley, what do you think? What's your opinion on this? Um, I don't know. I kind of agree with you, Julia, where it's like he does have some sort of rights, I think, but I'm also with Seth and like the conflicting like standpoint of it of like, yeah, he is a terrorist and he does deserve to be in jail, but also like just because he's in jail, does he deserve to like, you know, does he, should he be treated less than a human? Essentially. That's, that's kind of how I feel is that there's still those designated human rights that you need to, um, acknowledge that they okay. are there <clears throat> and he had those <laughs> rights before he went to prison people are in prison because they violated their rights and they violated the law and they are there because they didn't take their freedom you know with the respect that it deserves and because of that because he's in prison um i have no sympathy for this guy i have nothing for this guy he deserves nothing and i'll say it again agreed <laughs> I mean, just, I don't know, like maybe the force feeding, sure. Uh, like I said, the pornographic images when he prays, um, solitary confinement, he's not allowed to go to the imam with other people. Sure, maybe let him do that. And he's also suing and says he, saying that he can't talk to his relatives. Well, boo-hoo. <laughs> I mean, really, when, it, when you boil it down, boo-hoo. Like, he shouldn't be here. I mean, he wanted to kill himself and uh, 300 other people. Boo-hoo. I don't know. I think it's a little harsh. I mean, I I definitely I don't I, think it's harsh enough. I definitely I definitely understand like why I definitely understand like why you would say that. Um, I just I find that it's it still comes down to people have these human rights and you have to make sure that you're not violating them. Yeah, with the Geneva rights and everything, like yeah, you do have you do have rights, but. That, I mean, that's that's the thing, though, is that that's what we're following. That's what we're supposed to be doing is that human like humans are supposed to have these designated human rights no matter no matter what. And I absolutely agree with you. And I am not saying that he necessarily like deserves them. I'm not saying that. But the thing is that he has them and, and I he agree. needs to. He, I think that even in jail, he deserves to have them still, um, no matter the fact that he probably does not deserve them at all. I just think that when you're in prison for murdering raping pedophilia and terrorism you deserve nothing but if you're in jail for credit card theft like i said like some lesser crimes then yes he is his human rights are being violated but as a terrorist from another country no he doesn't deserve anything in the american prison system seth i mean i, I think this brings up a larger conversation about the role that uh jails are supposed to have because i think that on one side, that one would argue that it's purely for punishment, but another would say for rehabilitation. And um, while he was a terrorist, um, 
he was sentenced for life and not four life sentences to four life yeah. sentences. Four. So he has no um, chance to rehabilitate himself. Well, well, not and not be integrated into society, but maybe he can rehabilitate himself in prison, like as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but he he wanted to he wanted to commit this act out of you know religious intense intent. Um, I think that that's just who he is. I, I don't know how you can rehabilitate yourself if if being like a religious person that's already in prison, because that's what most people do is they find religion when they're in prison. They find out who they really are. I don't think that guy will ever do that. All right. Anyway, continue, Seth. Guy <laughs> can't cut him off now. Um, well, so the rehabilitation. What, what were you thinking exactly? Um, I don't know what I was thinking exactly. <laughs> but I, I think I think that it's just like a point of confliction for me on whether jails should have the role of jails should be of purely punishment or rehabilitation. For I think the most heinous of actions, they should be for punishment, first and foremost. The The list you made was, I think, a, a pretty stellar of, like, those are absolutely some of the most horrible crimes you can commit. Uh, and, and those, you deserve every ounce and every second of that punishment. But for, like, minor crimes, absolutely, they should be geared towards... And I mean, like, obviously it should be, like, geared towards, like, getting people... Better, making them better citizens, so they don't repeat that. So let's kind of transition transition this to uh, just prison systems as a whole. Um, in the United States, I, the prison system is pretty much like a business. It makes hundreds of million dollars a year. Uh, Two million plus people going to jail a year. <clears throat> um, like I mentioned earlier, the war on drugs is probably the single handedly or single handed culprit. Not single handed, but it's a large majority of people are in jail because of the war on drugs because you get caught with an eighth of weed and you're going to jail for a year. And, you know, in 2017, that's laughable. But, you know, in the 80s, 90s, early 2000s, that's the way it was. Um, Obviously, prisons do mistreat some of their, you know, prisoners. But, again, like, you wasted your opportunity for freedom. And I don't feel bad for anybody in prison unless they're wrongfully, you know, you hear stories about, I was in jail for 15 years for a crime I didn't commit. That is bad. That's that's atrocious. That's heartbreaking. But you know, somebody who raped a child or who murdered somebody or a terrorist, they they don't deserve any any rights. Where was the transition here? I don't know. I just <laughs> I feel very strongly about. It. But the transition is just like um, taxpayers pay for the U.S. federal system, right? Uh, the the CCA. What does it stand for? God, what a corrective agency. What is it? It's what the uh, something. But you know, they make they make millions of dollars a year, and it is it is messed up. Um, so, I mean, do you have any thoughts on that, Seth or Haley? Just the just the federal prison system as a whole. <laughs> Go ahead, Haley. <laughs> um, I mean, like I think going back to your point, Gabe is just like obviously it's a it's a big money maker and it is kind of just the war on drugs um at this point i also have like a real issue with like rehabilitating people who come out of prison because there's no like way to rehabilitate them back into society so a lot of people like end up back in prison for like petty crimes and things like that like kind of like what you were saying about like drugs and people go to jail for drugs and then you know they're in there for a really long time so then when they get out it's harder for them to like transition back to society transition back into society and then they end up back in jail for whatever you know so it's kind of just like this 
like this circular like pattern of like okay well when you go to jail you're probably pretty likely to go back to jail which is not like okay in my mind because you know you're taking someone away from their life because of something small that they did and you also didn't give them any resources to help them like integrate back into society mm -hmm. and i think with <clears throat> when it comes to drugs specifically um a lot of that has to do with like mental health issues and everything so when these people come out they don't get treatment for mental health and then they just end up committing the same crime and going back so we do need to figure out a way to maybe integrate these people back into society um and i you know i'd agree with you Haley. i mean yeah going back into that discussion i think that uh recidivism is a big problem for uh jail infrastructure there's no infrastructure for people to get better yeah for sure and i think that is definitely um a pretty pretty big problem um especially with um the war on drugs um that was a lot of ums in there um <laughs> where am i going with this uh, <laughs> but it, you know it is interesting that people could you know 20 years ago get thrown in jail for an eighth of weed and now you know you can go to a rec you can go to a dispensary anywhere in colorado and kind of buy that so you know those those are institutional problems that we have to fix but when it comes to major crimes like the underwear bomber um i just don't see how he could have any rights whatsoever and that's where I and we disagree. can we can agree to disagree. It's good to have these conversations, and you know what's for it's, sure. I we actually, have to have these, and it's funny because I feel like we were talking about this earlier, and I didn't even realize how um, quite like polarizing our viewpoints on it were. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like I said again, I just I think it's a human rights thing. I think it's something that everyone is born with, and it's even in jail, even when you are attempting to commit such a horrendous act there is still that human rights aspect that you can't overlook. And 99.99% um, of people deserve those rights and should have those rights. But there's a 0.01% that shouldn't. I, I think it's smaller than that. There's a lot of, yeah, there's I mean, a lot just, of people. I'm not going to throw out 0. 0.00000, <laughs> you know. But, you know. Um, well, final any, thoughts, Haley? Yeah, final thoughts. I, I don't have any final thoughts, I don't think. She's like, I have no thoughts at all, no. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think final thoughts is um, still I think there there's this split between rehabilitation and punishment. And I think that um, in order to solve these problems, we need to figure out an infrastructure for these prison systems. For mm -hmm. sure. I don't know. I feel like prisons are just big businesses and they definitely target um minority groups more than most and uh lower income individuals lower income <clears throat> individuals they set up a uh, uh the infrastructure they do have allows for uh people to fall into traps of uh like cycles i want to say the u.s has like one of the highest rates of like repeat crime offenders especially when it comes to smaller or petty crimes like theft or drug possession in the world and it's because if if you like look at the way prison structured you 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 cut all the ties that they have to healthy things and you surround them with less healthy and, and in a very confined and lonely environment and as soon as they leave they end up going right back into that rather than getting back into real life which is that's rough and and for people like that they obviously need the support to sort of reintegrate into society whereas you know exceptionally heinous dangerous crimes those actually deserve the punishment that they're given and gabe um yeah i think i've kind of like, said what i had to say <laughs> <laughs> and yeah me too human rights man
Yeah. Um, anyway, we're going to be taking a really quick break here. We'll, we'll be coming back in probably about a minute and a half or so with um, our music segment produced by our music director, uh, Danny Steiner. And then... Weather. And weather. Yeah. Classic. You can't miss it. And if anybody out there, uh, if you have thoughts or opinions on what we just talked about, uh, please call or text in to 970-491-5278. Again, that number is 970-491-KCSU. Yep, we rate them all. We saw the one that came through, but (laughs) it didn't really have as much to do with discussion. Anyway, um, we will be coming back in a little bit. You're listening to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. The Fort Collins Food Co-op is a proud underwriting sponsor of KCSU. The Fort Collins Food Co-op is a community-owned grocery store in the heart of Fort Collins, which encourages healthy food and a healthy planet. The Food Co-op is open to the public and is located in downtown Fort Collins at 250 East Mountain Avenue. KCSU thanks the Fort Collins Food Co-op for their underwriting support. And welcome back to the Rocky Mountain Review. I am Julie Battelise, one of your two co-hosts. With me is my co-host, obviously, Gabe Peterson. Yep. Um, And we have J.D. Layton, our national news correspondent. Um, And the other ones left. (laughs) We had a lot of people in here. (laughs) Yeah, it was a full house. It was a full house today. Anyway, we are going to go straight into our music segment produced by uh, Danny Steiner. He is our uh, music director here and general music enthusiast. Uh, <laughs> he's our music director and hates music, actually. He <laughs> he's like, why do I, He's like, how did I get this job? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm just going to flip it right over to him, uh, and here's the music segment for you. Ross Goldstein is a New York-based artist with a sound that is strangely calming. His new album, Inverted Jenny, is an onslaught of inverted soundscapes that fit together neatly like a puzzle. It's almost a cozy ride through a sunny autumn day that gently wraps the listener in its warm embrace. Goldstein notes that this is an interest in his music. You know, I, I think I'm interested in the uh, atmosphere sometimes that music can create. And then, uh, you know, one of the most, uh, one of the things that really defines an atmosphere is a sense of a place or, you know, being taken, transported somewhere. Yeah. And uh, I guess I'm, I'm really interested in that. That's something that I like to try to, you know, uh, bring into a musical creation of some kind. One song where this feeling is imminently apparent is in the album's third song, California. California. 
California exposes one of the strongest points of this record, Goldstein's ability to continually layer each song with instruments, but not to a fault. Every instrument and odd little percussive part feels as though it has a place in the song. This is a strength that Goldstein agrees with. Probably the ability to, uh, you know, arrange different instruments or something. At least that's what I'm enjoying the most in the process. The part where I really have the most fun. Sort of just hearing how different instruments sound. And uh, I don't know. Maybe uh, the, the, probably the really the answer to your question is that I, I do like to experiment. So I'm, I'm pretty open-minded about what I'll try, what I'll do. For Goldstein, though, he's not necessarily focused on playing these songs in a live setting. The amount of layers in the song present a challenge when it comes to playing them live. I think that's part of the uh, reason that it's been, the, you know, a little bit complicated to uh, perform it is that, um, you know, I, uh, I'm not really sure how to create arrangements at the moment of some of those instrumental tracks and... I'm not really sure that um, even in a live setting, you know, it's kind of like what you were just saying a minute ago about how you were at home and you put it on and it was just kind of like, uh, you know, I like the idea that the listener can kind of like make that decision to listen versus going to a venue or a place where you know you're going to hear music live. I feel like you're in a different headspace. Goldstein elaborates, though, that this isn't necessarily a problem. He looks at the record as an autonomous world that each listener should be able to experience when they want, not just at a live show. Ultimately, Goldstein sees the record as something of willing participation, not an expectation. I like the idea that the, the listener can decide at any given moment, you know, just four in the morning and they, or, or anywhere, you know, in any situation, uh, I'm going to listen to this right now and then kind of go into that uh, world of that whatever they're listening to. So I do prefer that uh, to people coming and, and seeing me in person. And then uh, when it's over, they, they walk out and, you know, it's, it, it's uh, even if they had a really great time, I know I'm not the kind of showman that is really there to kind of, uh, <laughs> you know, entertain. I mean, I like to perform and I, I'm not against uh, entertaining people, but uh, it's just, just not something I'm really particularly good at. Inverted Jenny is a cerebral record. Goldstein invokes so many complex synthetic structures that create a whirlwind of sonic delight. But more than anything, it's an intimate record in so many ways. It's Goldstein reaching out and connecting with his listener through cosmic soundscapes and dreamlike sequences that can best be experienced with headphones and a calm mind. Inverted Jenny is out now on Northern Spy Records. For the Rocky Mountain Review, I'm Danny Steiner. You're listening to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins, uh, specifically the Rocky Mountain Review. That was Danny Steiner, who did a great um, music segment for us this yeah. week. Just another great one. Just, Just another great one. Great I guess after would, great. I guess that makes him the music director. That's why he's good at it. Good for him. <laughs> I, I, it sounded like you were like uh, promoting him. Just like, I guess that's why, I guess that makes I, him the just, news director, yeah. or the music director now. What's the show called? Steiner he's, Recliner? 
yeah. it's kicking back and relaxing with the Steiner recliner here on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. I would definitely check that out. It's the full thing. I don't know why. I one time asked him what his <laughs> DJ name was, and he was like, uh, it's, it's, I, it's, I'm DJ Steiner, Steiner recliner with 90.5. I was just like, what are you even just, saying? Dude, he like rambles as soon as you say it. He, he talks for like 10 minutes. He's like, I'm Danny Steiner, the Steiner recliner. Right. I'm here to do my All right. thing. Enough, enough about Danny. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're going to go to uh, Gabe, our designated meteorologist, Ooh. and to tell us about the weather. It's my yes. favorite part the of the show. The next couple days. <laughs> the favorite part of the show, huh? <laughs> um, so it looks like tomorrow is going to be the last nice day for, uh, it looks like the next week. I uh, feel tomorrow. like you've said that before. <laughs> yeah. oh. <laughs> well, hey man, meteorology is a hard game. <laughs> it took me six years to get this degree. <laughs> uh, yeah, so tomorrow is going to be a high of 77, uh, low of 45. So it's going to be roughly like today. It's going to be sunny. Uh, your shorts aren't going to cause you that much uh, cold like mine did today. I was pretty cold riding my bike in shorts, so... It'll be warmer tomorrow. Yeah, wear pants. Yeah, I know. But I've been wearing anyways. <laughs> wow, um, that was that was aggressive. <laughs> Julia does not like your shorts. <laughs> That's <laughs> um, Thursday it is going to be cold. It's going to be high 48, and it looks like it's going to rain all day. Mm. Um, so definitely bundle up for that. Fall is here, as I've said the past three weeks. <laughs> I, I mean, you look outside, and there's leaves on the ground. Yes. Of yep, course, yep, fall's yep. here. And then Friday looks like it's going to be partly cloudy, high of 48 again. Uh, and then Saturday is going to be 51 degrees, so it's looking like a, a cold next couple of couple of days, and your weekend is looking like it's going to be pretty rainy and cold. So mm, that's amazing! Up. Yay! Yeah, it's Halloween weekend. It is. It is. Ooh, can't wait. Ooh! Oh, it, look, Tuesday it's saying it's going to snow too. So <laughs> usually always usually always snows around uh, Halloween time. Yeah, that's what classic, Colorado does. Classic yeah. Colorado. <laughs> but October. like on Halloween specifically. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a, it's a spoopy snow. Yeah, it is. Mm, okay. So that is weather. So bundle up. So so bu- that is weather. So bundle up. Um, anyway, we're going to be finishing off here at the Rocky Mountain Review. We'll be back here on Thursday from 4 to 5. Um, J.D. Layton, thank you for coming on, our national news correspondent. <laughs> I thought you were going to tell me something super important, but nope. you're just Congratulations to the national news correspondent. Uh, <laughs> you, yeah. already, <laughs> you already knew that. Um, and my co-host, Gabe Peterson. Thanks again for coming on. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for tuning in, listeners. And uh, I am Julia Badalese, your other co-host. Uh, this is the Rocky Mountain Review. Once again, we'll be back here uh, from 4 to 5 on Thursday. Um, yeah, you're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review here on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. Thank you for listening to the Rocky Mountain Review. Today you heard about the Fort Collins shooting and Trump's response to falling soldiers, as well as our roundtable discussion on how prisoners are treated in federal prisons. Special thanks to our reporters, Bjorn Larson, J.D. Layton, Joe Green, Raven Culler, and another thanks to Haley Candelario for joining us on Roundtable this week. This podcast was produced by myself, Gabe Peterson, Joe Wood, and Julia Badalese. You can find these podcasts and more on SoundCloud, iTunes, and kcsufm.com.